0: Hey, Dale, got a new assignment for you. Vacation. Uh, Thanks,
1: boss. You mean it?
0: You betcha. Self-care is good for business. Sometimes, things just get better. Like AT&T. We've invested more than $150 million to grow our wireless network coverage to over 99% of Nebraska. Visit att.com slash Nebraska and
1: learn how to get a free smartphone when you switch to AT&T. Coverage on available everywhere. Over 99% coverage based on third-party data. Network investments based on 2018 through 2020 expenditure.
0: Geico gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that Geico is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you. Like your mom, when you fill out really, really important paperwork on the first day of a new job.
1: Name, check, birthday, social security, is that a thing? Hey, mom, what is my social security number?
2: Mom? Mom? Um. Okay, let's guess. Uh, zero zero one seven. Oh, Gemini. Hashtag
0: done. Geico, always there for you with savings and twenty four seven access to licensed agents.
1: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by Cubsinsider.com. dot com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Sunday afternoon when the Cubs have taken the finale with the Milwaukee Brewers to take just one of three in the series. They salvage the game on Sunday to avoid the sweep, and they do so in grand, see what I did there, fashion. Very nice, yes. (laughs) Thank you. We will talk about those three games and an awful lot going on. We've had some roster moves since we last spoke, some that we were pretty seriously asking for. So thank you, Theo and Jed, who I assume listen to every episode for calling up Ian Happ and and letting us get him back into the lineup. Derek Holland added to the Cubs bullpen mix, primarily to face left-handers out of the pen. And we are still heading toward the trade deadline very soon here. So there is uh, a lot of rumors going on, a lot of people sitting out, scratched, etc. So you can kind of begin to get all nervous about these names and and things of that sort. So we will talk uh, about all of those things. But Brendan, I, I will bring you in here. Not a bad
2: game for Kyle Schwarber on Sunday. A lot of his underlying numbers this year have been pretty good. There's been a lot of people, people talking about his exit velocity and his expected numbers. And to that level, he's been good. Just the hits, the results have not been there. So to get Schwarber these results, yeah, it's good for him, hopefully for his confidence and going forward, adding Schwarber's bat even to last year's level would be a significant upgrade to this offense. Yeah,
1: and he hits two home runs on Sunday, accounting for seven RBIs, one of the Grand Slam variety and one of the three-run variety. And his Grand Slam was a 473-foot tank, Brendan, an absolute missile. I think Len got the word grand slam out bef- like just as the ball left his bat. It was that much of a no-doubter. It was the longest grand slam in StatCast history, Corey. Yes. So dating back to 2015, when StatCast started tracking this stuff, it is the longest Grand Slam in Major League Baseball. It is also the Cubs' longest home run of the 20. Nineteen season, this was a bomb, and an interesting contrast because the three run home run was not a bomb. The three run home run was one where I think a lot of us were like, "Ooh, you know, maybe like a gapper that'll fall down." And
2: yeah, it was a, it was a juiced ball. It, home it run, just kept know, going. Else?
1: So uh, a tale of two baseballs on that one: one that Kyle Schwarber absolutely murdered that goes four hundred and seventy three feet, and one that he literally like reaches out. Uh, on the edge of the plate and pokes it with like one one hand coming off the bat and it sneaks out into the bullpen. But when so. you
2: average them together, they're 420 feet on average. So, you know, it, it works out that way.
1: Yes. Uh, Kyle hit ball far, Cubs score runs. That's how those things work. So let's just jump into uh, a quick recap here of these three games. so We can kind of set the scene here. The first two games were an all-too-familiar story for this team that I think we have seen a lot during the 2019 season, and that was the Cubs get some early offense, they don't do much the rest of the game, and then the bullpen doesn't hold that lead, and they are left with a loss. On Friday, the home run came off the bat of David Bodie. It was nothing-nothing until the top of the sixth, and a two-run shot from Bodie, put the Cubs ahead, but it would go poorly from there. Christian Jelic would get Milwaukee to within a run in the bottom of the seventh, and then it was... Pedro Strope and Brandon Kinsler combining in the bottom of the eighth to hit a couple batters, walk a guy, and then Strope surrenders the game winning two run single to Ben Gammel. Hader locks down the save three to two, the final on Friday. Again, on Saturday, it was a rather similar story. The two run home run coming in the third inning, this time for the Cubs, from the bat of one Anthony Rizzo. They held that lead. Sigh. Until the bottom of the eighth, when it was a combination of Steve Seashack, Derek Holland, and Tyler Chatwood who get in there in that inning, and it is Chatwood who gets charged with the blown save. Seashack gives up the two earned runs, though both charged to him. He gives up two hits. Not a good outing for Steve, and the Brewers would tie the game there we would go all the way until the 10th inning and it was Albert Almora Jr. who hit a bomb to (laughs) Uh, left center to put the Cubs ahead again one of those moments where you're thinking huge moment for this guy he's had a lot of struggles that we've talked about a lot but this is a big moment stepping up here getting that big hit and then Craig Kimbrell blew the save so sorry Al but you don't get your you don't get your big moment here we, we had to kind of forget about that pretty quickly and it came on a Christian Yelich game tying home run to greet Kimbrell out of the bullpen and then it was Keston Hura hitting his 11th home run of the year a two-run shot to the opposite field that made it five to three and given that Milwaukee is at home that is a walk-off so that is how that one ended And then we've kind of told you the story on Sunday. The Cubs winning 11 to 4. Jose Quintana was cruising through four innings, but really not good in that fifth inning. He had a seven to nothing lead, started walking guys, eventually gets taken out. He ends up going four and two thirds, four hits, three earned, two walks, and three strikeouts on the day. A very good job from the bullpen that followed him, though. Brad Brock, Kyle Ryan, who pitched a huge two and a third innings. Uh, allowing no hits, no walks and striking out. 3 Kinsler and Derek Holland finish this one out, but all told the bullpen together allows just one run that was not earned, only one hit, no walks from those guys covering after Quintana left in the 5th and they strike out six batters. So as we said, kind of in that finale on in San Francisco, a really good effort from the bullpen here, picking up a starter that didn't go long and and allowing the Cubs to pick, salvage a win in a series where they had already lost the first two games. The other thing of note, besides Kyle Schwarber in this game on the offensive side, a huge three-run homer for Victor Caratini. That made it ten to three. It was seven to three at the time. Milwaukee was kind of threatening to put some pressure on the Cubs, and with what we've seen from this bullpen outside of today, you, I think we were all getting a little nervous there when it got to seven to three. So a huge play by Caratini to knock that one out and and really secure the victory here. So that is the tale of this series, Brendan. And I will bring you back in here once again. This is a really similar vibe to that San Francisco series. You have two games that you feel are very winnable, that you kind of let slip away from you late. You'd probably like maybe a little more offense in these games. You'd obviously like your bullpen to be able to hold these leads. And then you come back and and salvage the last one in a game that sort of leaves everybody feeling pretty good. And as we look at the scoreboard here, the St. Louis Cardinals do lose to the Houston Astros. So despite our griping and hand-wringing and worrying about the games on Friday and Saturday, When we wake up on Monday morning and you guys are listening to this, these are your first-place Chicago Cubs. So as it has been for a little while now, kind of trying to reconcile some of the stuff that frustrates us, but also noting that they do play well on Sunday, they get that W, and the division is still right there for them. They
2: just need to clean some of this stuff up. Yeah, I mean, I feel better about this series coming away with a win in this last game than I did against that Giants series when... The same story was there basically. First two games, you don't play well. Last game, you salvage it. The reason I feel a little bit better after this series is because we saw the impact of Ian Half, and we saw the impact of even starting you know the best guys right now who deserve to be playing. In the second game of the series, the lineup did not produce. In the last game, it did produce, and you saw... What Ian Happ does, his skill set, even though he does not have a base hit yet, he's working at-bats, he's making good plays in the outfield. Most importantly, he's walking ahead of guys who are mashing, and we saw exactly that in that last game with Schwarber hitting two home runs after uh, Happ walking. So I feel feel better about just the makeup of the offense. I'm not sold on it yet. I mean, I'd be crazy if I were sold on it. But you know, at, at the very least, they're making steps in the right direction now with Russell being in Iowa, Hap is now with the team. Daskalso has been put on the injured list. Well overdue for that. You know, okay, this is what we're going to be getting going forward. We're going to see a lot of Garcia, a lot of Hap. Uh, hopefully, Schwaber gets back on track. And if everything else stays status quo with Javi and Willie and uh, Rizzo and everyone up atop, the, the lineup does give you a little bit more confidence, at least for, for me. Um, but I still think like many fans, we need another bat, maybe two bats, but Hap, Schwarber, Garcia contributing on a consistent level would make me feel a lot better.
1: Yeah, so let's let's dive into Ian Hap. Ian Hap obviously rejoins the team here in Milwaukee. And he does not end up with any hits in this series, but he's on base a ton because as he's always done, he takes a lot of walks. And that is a hallmark of his game. He walks once in the Saturday game and three times in the game on Sunday he scores three times in this game so obviously those walks paying dividends Craig Council actually after the game today saying quote the walks to Hap killed us today no question about it we did a poor job on him so that's one of the things that I think even when you were looking at Hap's struggles in the minors this year or at times with the Cubs in the majors you know he's got a good eye you know he's patient you know he's going to get himself on base even if he's not able to do it with the bat but it's I think very good to see him back here. I think that this is something that we were asking for, and it is similar to the the Garcia thing in a sense in in just the sense that if it doesn't work or he struggles again, so what like at least you try something different. Daniel Descalso put on the injured list with. I don't even know. What did they make up, Brendan? An ankle sprain? A,
2: right? It, yeah, the same ankle he hurt two months ago, which should have put him on the on the aisle at that time. Right. But yeah, a couple months late right
1: there, Theo. But a hey, little, we, little too we, late, we, yeah. we got there eventually. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I'm thrilled to not have him on the active roster again. But anyway, if, if Happ struggles and he kind of reverts back to some of the things that got him sent down in the first place, then at least you tried it. He represents, I think, something that can give you a little more, inject a little something into this offense, and it's it's worth capitalizing on the hot streak that he was on and seeing if he can be that player at the major league so not exactly the weekend that I think he was hoping for but I will say he made some nice plays in the outfield made a nice sliding catch in his first opportunity in that game on Friday he took some good routes on some deep balls and balls in the alleys when he was playing in center yeah, and in left very nice. so I, I I think he looks good and again like it's all about what he does at the plate and what he's able to do with the stick but I think that it's worth giving a shot and worth getting him into the lineup. and i I also think you you know you are pleased by Elmora coming into some of these spots and performing well. That was a huge home run that he hit on Saturday. Yeah, and it's a shame that it is not a a game winner and something that we're able to really kind of like applaud him for and let him have that moment. But I, I think that it sort of just illustrates a, a lot of the discussion that we've had on here that he can be successful in smaller roles, and and I think I I don't I don't know where where you stand exactly now, Brendan, but <laughs> I, I'm comfortable with that at times, and it's good to see him capitalizing on those opportunities. It's just a question of when some of these guys get overextended into roles that they don't necessarily. Belong in or, or can't reasonably be asked to perform. it. so it's all to say I'm glad that Ian Happ is here and I'm glad that the Cubs are trying to catch that lightning in a bottle here at the major league level because I think it could be a- an important one for them and, and really inform how we go about these next few days heading into the trade deadline.
0: It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of Coca Cola or Coca Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Little did I know
1: when I joined Kaiser Permanente that it would be on my top 10 list for what has made this year great. I can see my physician, I can be referred to the lab, I can then be referred to the pharmacy, all in the same building. You, you've got it all. I mean, it's it's quality of care, it's compassion of care, it's convenience of care. It's
0: true. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan of the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852.
2: I don't know if these next few days are going to be determined by what HAP does. I think, as you and I were talking about, we're we're past that point where you don't even know, okay, what, you're going to take five games of Ian HAP's performance and that will determine what you do. I don't think it's going to happen, but. What I think is most significant about Hap coming up and kind of tantalizing too, to a degree, is what if Hap does succeed in the next two to three weeks, and what if maybe the Cubs put him in that leadoff role? I know we're kind of far out there right now, but if he's going to be getting uh, getting consistent playing time, maybe the conversation is worthwhile because Hap is one of the the few guys in Major League Baseball, especially for his age, who walks at that rate. And and mashes at that rate. The other guy is Schwarber. So if you look at his walk rate and home run rate for guys under 26, Happ and Schwarber are among the best. And we know, I mean, we saw what Happ did in those last few games where he's walking a lot, he's getting on base for, for his guys, and he is a threat at times on the base pass because of that speed. So in a vacuum and in a perfect world, If Hap is going to be playing consistently, I would not mind him leading off. I just, at this point, you don't want to do that to a guy who just got called back up, pressures back on after a demotion. You want to get him going first. But I will say, if if two, three weeks pass by and we're still testing the waters with a leadoff guy with Robo Garcia, maybe Schwarber gets more chances there, maybe Hayward goes back up. If we're going to be testing the waters here, throw Hap into that mix because if he's going to walk at a 15% clip like he's been doing um okay let's let's give it a go here right
1: yeah absolutely if he can walk at this rate like y- you hope that he can catch a hot streak here with the bat but if it's a simple game of getting on base, Ian Happ has always been very successful at that. So I, I think it, it is a decent option, though. I, I think the uh, the those in the fan base that don't necessarily love Ian Happ are, I think, not going to be super thrilled because, like, they heard a lot of us freaking out about Elmora, and then Happ comes up and he's leading well, they're off. They're both have, they're very different yeah, players. Like, I'm not very making different. that argument, but I'm I'm just saying that I, there's definitely a segment of the fan base that is is not going to be uh, super here for that. But Joe is trying pretty much everything but the kitchen sink there at leadoff I actually kind of liked Contreras there on Friday he mashes lefties it didn't work out but I thought the process was was pretty good yeah I don't aside. like it man. he's
2: one of the top hitters in, in in the league like he has a 400 weighted on base average yeah. put him in spots where he can maximize that yeah. they got they got to do better at leadoff putting Wilson there is not a solution
1: that's that's fair yeah obviously you want a, a more long-term solution and you want Wilson in the middle of the order I just didn't hate it for one night but yeah, I'm not looking for that long term. But so, right. Brendan, I, I just want to ask like a general question because this was a weird series, and I think like we're all all over the place with our emotions and how we were kind of like perceiving this series. Because I think we all certainly hoped that they would go in on the road against Milwaukee, and and this would kind of be the start of them ascending to the top of this NL Central, building a cushion, and capitalizing on. Uh, you know that that giant series at times aside w- has been a good start to the second half for this team and i think in general a, a cleaner brand of baseball than we saw in that first half but w- yeah. what is your what is your general feeling right now we have this off day on monday headed to st louis where the, the, we'll we'll start this series tied for first place with the cardinals the the games on Friday and Saturday extremely frustrating, right? I, I think that there's a, a ton of areas that you could toss the blame. The offense only scoring a couple runs on Friday. The Cubs had five base runners, three of them were Chris Bryant. Like that's obviously not going to get the job done against someone like Gio Gonzalez, who I think you really would like to see them put up a better effort against similar story on Saturday where it's an Anthony Rizzo two-run home run and then nothing until Albert Almora hits a home run in the 10th inning so that's obviously somewhere where you may be drawing your attention the the starting pitching in this series save for that fifth inning for Q was generally very good Kyle Hendricks was very good on Friday though he only went five when Joe took him out John Lester was great on Saturday. Uh, John went seven, allowed just four hits, no earned runs, three walks, and five strikeouts. Asked out of the game, coming back after that illness at 94 pitches, and said he just didn't have any gas left in the tank, so not much Joe can do there. But then in both of these games, the bullpen can't hold a lead. And so I guess what I'm asking you is, where, where what were your feelings on those first two games in particular? Because I think there's a couple schools of thought, and, and one of them is... The, the bullpen needs to be able to hold leads like this. You're, you're going to play close games in the playoffs. And that kind of reminds me of when the Cubs were in Los Angeles and they put up those three early runs each on Rich Hill and Clayton Kershaw and they they can't make those leads hold and you're kind of looking at that going this is kind of how playoff games sometimes play out you try to scratch as much as you can against these top starters and then you have to figure out a way to make it work and 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 shut down the lead but at the same time asking any bullpen really it doesn't matter how good they are to consistently make two runs hold up is also not a particularly tenable strategy. So did did Sunday kind of wash away any any feelings about those first two games? Did you have any any glaring thoughts about those first two games? Or are we still kind of in this same place here that you and I have been for a little while now with cleaning up some of the edges of this team and and riding these top performers to what should be a division championship at the end of the year
2: well the standoff for me is Pedro Strop, and it, it does kind of put pause and how I feel about the team if Strope is not where he was even you know pre-hamstring injury then the the bullpen does look different but my, my thing with Strope though is and I said this last podcast even if he is throwing 93-94 that should be enough, but you don't know why he's throwing ninety-three and ninety-four. Is it because he's still dealing with that hamstring injury that sidelined him earlier in the year? And then when Madden's asked about him, Madden's saying, Oh, there's nothing overtly wrong with Pedro Strope, but he's telling me he feels fine. So for for me, it's like, okay, well then what's what's going on here? Because if he's throwing 93-94, he should still have success. I mean, that's still pretty fast and he's still getting those whiffs, but we saw what happened. He's just, the command is not there. And I wrote about this on CubsInsider.com where his sinker, which he throws basically once every four pitches, okay? His isolated power against that pitch is over 1.0. That's basically saying every time a batter hits the ball, it's going for almost an extra base hit. That's that's bizarre. That can't be happening for Pedro Strobe. So my, my issue with him is, okay, is he healthy? Because if he's not healthy, then yeah, I do have some pause. If he's healthy, then let's work through this tough stretch, a weird baseball stretch, and things should start to normalize out. Now, with the rest of the bullpen, I think you you have more confidence in Kyle Ryan, Brandon Kinsler. even though he did not perform that well in that one outing, he still looks pretty decent. And Kimbrell... Early on for him in his his progression to get back to midseason form, you you see what the bullpen could look like, right? But whether or not they're going to get to that point by a time that's necessary, I don't know what to expect. I don't know if we're going to get to that point. I do think, yeah, it does give you some pause. But where I'm at, I'm I'm not really thinking that much differently than after the, the Giants series with the bullpen. I still think... You have guys in that pen that should be formidable. I think if you have a healthy Steve a arrested Steve Jack and you throw in Kimbrell and Strope and Kinsler, that should be enough. I really still stand by that. It's just these weird games, these weird instances where crazy stuff happens. Naturally, what baseball is, it does make you want to change those ideas. But I'm still, I'm still where I am. I still think those front four, those front five get more depth in there, give Rowan Wick more of a chance. So she got finally, looked pretty good. I'm not as concerned with the bullpen as I am with that offense. I still have most of my concern and focus shifted towards that depth, Corey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you and I are are in, in the same place. And I, and I know that a lot of this, we're not going to talk about the bottom of the bench today, I promise. So if you guys are worried that we're going to delve into that again, we're not. So don't worry about it. Descalso's not even on the active roster. I've got nothing to say about him anymore. I hope I don't have to Last talk time about that it name. again. Yep, so. that's it. No more. Done. <laughs> right? So, um, but I do think that we're in a similar place in the sense that I still feel like this group has the the right talent, the top talent, and a lot of guys performing the right way to be successful here. And I think that's why games like those first two are are so frustrating and so confounding because you're looking at it going, why can they not hit Gio Gonzalez? Why did they not hit Ivan Nova, right? Some of these guys where you're just looking at their numbers and thinking, man, like one two run Homer and, and the pitching staff has to make that work against guys that I really don't think that should be the case. So, it's it's definitely frustrating but i think again like another two and a third really good work from kyle ryan today i know you were tweeting about it that he just looks locked in his command is there he gets results he gets a lot of weak contact on the ground and he has really turned into a guy for this team kinsler with some some struggles on friday but he has been really good for this team leaving sunday he had another good outing a 2.45 era so he's been really good for this team so I th- I think that the group is there. I- I'm with you, though. Like, we, we got to figure out what's going on with Strope. I- is there something underlying that we're not seeing? Is he just starting to regress as his career goes on? And he's, you know, been throwing a lot of bullets for, for several years. I don't know. But it- it's it's obviously frustrating to see him continue to not look right and continue to be used in spots that you don't want someone who doesn't look right in. So, And also, I, I, I covered my microphone, but I did laugh out loud when you said a rested Steve Seashack. Like, yeah, sure. Uh, I don't think that's going to I was very happen. careful when I said that. Yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. He throws 26 pitches on Poor Friday guy. night. He gets right back in there on Saturday. So uh, I'm pretty sure Steve is, is just going to have to have that rubber band arm because he's going to be out there a lot. But it, it is the offense, and you know you look at Sunday's game, and and it's you know kind of another one where you're able to look at the box score, and it, it raises some eyebrows at times, right? You look at the top of this order with Garcia, Contreras in the two hole on Sunday, Bryant, and Rizzo, and they have one hit between them. In the what is this? Nineteen at bats between those top four yeah, hitters. And after that, that's basically no walks. Just one Robel Garcia hit in this game, and it came later in the game. So now, obviously, I keep saying that these top guys are performing at a level that the Cubs should be really good and, and and be better but when you look at the whole of the weekend right like on Friday your offense was a David Bodie two-run home run on Saturday your offense was homers from Anthony Rizzo and Albert Almora separated by seven innings of of zeros and then on Sunday you've got the top of the order just sort of doing nothing and Kyle Schwarber quite literally scoring a touchdown on his own with the RBI so I, I, I'm i with you. I think it's still about adding those bats and just getting consistency. I think bringing Ian Happ up here, Discalso and Russell being down, I, I think that that's a, a very good place to start. But I, I still think it's going to be about adding a, a bat in these coming days. I, I think that we can get on Joe for his bullpen management. I didn't like a lot of it this weekend. I thought he made some mistakes. Obviously, knowing after the game on Saturday that John Lester had told him that he was done— made me a lot less angry. I had a whole rant prepared, Brendan, for taking John Lester out at 94 I was, pitches I was worried, actually, when he that's... was cruising, but not Joe's decision, really. If the starter says he's done, he's done, especially if John Lester says it. I know it was uh, Sadev Sharma from The Athletic who tweeted out that Lester had had said that and, and had requested to come out, and he responded to some people in his mentions asking if Lester was covering for Joe, by saying that and Sahadev was just like you clearly do not know John Lester like John Lester is the last person that would be covering for the manager he'd be the first person saying Joe's crazy I could have gone 150 right. <laughs> pitches like don't ever take yeah. me out of the game so if he asked out he asked out right but we can look at this stuff and we can nitpick this stuff but I, I think at the end of the day if you Even though you're going to have to do this eventually, I think that we've talked about this. I think the Cubs have those guys that they can lock down these leads, but especially in the regular season when you have guys' usage all over the place as you're traveling on the road and and playing games every day, you're asking the bullpen to shut down Two to nothing games on a routine basis is a tall order. That is a tough task, especially like the Brewers have some weak spots in their order. But you've got to pitch to Christian Yelich and some of these guys at some point. So you, you got to do a better job on offense, and they certainly did that on Sunday. But I'm with you, Brendan. I, I think that the, I I think you want to maybe see another addition to this bullpen, maybe on that low depth side. But I I it still isn't necessarily where I I'm super worried. I, I still think it's about that depth on offense and making moves that allow again like Elmora to play in more situations that he's suited for and not asking him to cover ground that maybe you don't want him covering. And that's the same with guys like Garcia and Hap. Like I think that those guys can be really successful if you're able to deploy them how you'd like to be and where it's advantageous mm-hmm. for them rather than looking at Ian Hap and saying, Okay, dude, you got to save the season like hope you're good because you're playing every day and maybe you're going to lead off and if you're not good well then whoops so that's that's where I would be looking and and that's kind of my gut reaction to this weekend series with the Brewers is that I, I I think I I wavered in this back and forth Brendan but I ended up being a little more frustrated with the offense on those first two nights than I was the bullpen and like on Saturday Kimbrel's still working his way back. His stuff has looked good. I wish he were missing more bats at times, but he's still sort of building up there. So you're hoping that maybe a a couple extra ticks at Velo are coming, and he just gets stronger as the season goes on. But that's also one where I'm not sure how much we can even worry about that. If Kimbrel's just not good, then...
2: Then, we're then he's screwed. just not good. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, screwed, it's not yeah.
1: really worth worrying about. Like, you're going to throw Kimbrel out in a game like Saturday. He's your closer. Like, that's the spot for him. He needs to be good, and I think he will be. But if, if he's not, then, there you know, there's not that much that done. anybody can do. Theo and Jed made out went out and made that big move and and they made that addition it's on the player to kind of deliver on that but i I think the offense has to be better we got to do better than one two run home run off of some of these pitchers on a back-to-back nightly basis
2: yeah one of the issues i have right now with the way the offense has been approaching their at bats is these extreme changes or these extreme philosophies and for example in may and in april the Cubs, as a team, were walking over eleven percent of their plate appearances. Really good was actually the top two in Major League Baseball. But in June and July, they're walking at an eight percent clip. Corey, that's very weird for me to reconcile. I have no idea why all of a sudden they're not walking that much. And I was talking to you off the air about this. I'm like, are the Cubs just swinging at pitches further in their at bats, or like you know within the first two pitches? I feel like. I think they they are. I have to look at the data for this. But to be walking that much less all of a sudden within one month without major personnel changes, that's that's weird to me, Corey. And we saw what happened when Schwarber went to the leadoff spot where he was walking at a high rate, goes to the leadoff, and all of a sudden he walks from 15% of the time down to 6% of the time. Why, why is that happening? What prompted Schwarber to change that? And at times, we do see the Cubs tend to get out of their zone with runners in scoring position or runners on base or even trying to get in front of pitchers and kind of ambush them unsuccessfully. And even in that last win of the series today against Zach Davies, they still did that. They still jumped out in front. For example, Schwarber's Grand Slam, right? Was it the first pitch or the second pitch? Whatever it was, they jumped out in front. And I, 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 don't, I don't like the, the extreme shifts where all of a sudden you do something that's been working, but not necessarily giving you the results, but the process is good. But because the results are not there, they change things up. And I, I don't like seeing that. And the Cubs as a whole, offensively, this this is what gives me confidence. This is what gives me confidence that this offense could be okay come you know September if we're so sort of fortunate to get the playoffs, because they have what is this, six guys with a WRC plus over 100, okay? So Chris Bryant right now is at 149. Again, all this being 100 league average, Javi Baez after today is 117. Uh, we have Rizzo at 140, having one of his best years. We have Contreras, again, having one of his best years at 140 as well. Hayward's rebounded at 140, and now Schwarber's over 103, he's at 103 right now. So you have, you have guys in this lineup. You have six guys who are better than league average in certain situations is finding the other two guys finding the other mix and match type guys to round out the roster and with Happ and his walk rate and his ability to mash at the very least you want him to get to, to numbers around Schwarber right now where you're at league average you're approaching league average essentially And I think the Cubs have potential to do that even with Robo Garcia despite the strikeouts he could be that guy so the off, the offense, I, I think at times that gives me that gives me confidence. But it's wondering, okay, can Hap do that? Can Shoreberg do that consistently? Javi Baez has been struggling. His his Woba is at 350 right now. That's not in the same tier as he was for the majority of the season. Can these guys stay the pace? Can Wilson stay the pace at the same time, having guys under in the order five, six, seven, eight, now rebound and get better as the season progresses? So there's two ways to look at this. But I think having six guys who are better than the league average does give you confidence now it's asking okay can ian happ step up can garcia step up can other guys step up and round out that order you you don't you don't know um but the main thing that always irritates me Corey, is these extreme changes i don't get it i don't get it with runners in scoring position i don't get it with even july and june trying to ambush pitchers i i don't know am i going crazy there do you notice that as well that they're trying to like get out in front and change their approach at times like that it certainly does seem that way without digging into it and I I think that that's
1: part of where you look at some of these games where they're not hitting some of these pitchers and you just get kind of frustrated with it you just feel like they're not what's working a guy yeah. like Gio Gonzalez on Friday the way that they should be. They're not working a guy like Ivan Nova back in those games like they should be. And it, it, it does get a little frustrating. But then obviously you have a game like Sunday where Schwarber was clearly up there to ambush Davies, and it works.
2: He hits one near 500 feet for a grand slam. So but part of the issue with Schwarber's approach there is he was doing that at leadoff and right. <laughs> put him down to the eighth spot. So... You know, as a balance, so to speak, but I, I, I just don't, I don't like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of fans, including myself, don't have that much confidence in in the coaching staff over the last few years. That's been always changing. Is they're trying to find answers. They try to find answers with Chili Davis, of course. They moved on from John Malley. They brought in Anthony Apostoli back this year, and, and they did the same thing with their pitching coaches. It does give you pause. Where okay, they, we see a clear shift here why Why is that happening and it makes you believe that they too are searching for answers which how can you be confident in the team when you're clearly seeing these rapid changes these extreme changes because that suggests they too are searching for answers so it's hard to get confident despite the overall numbers being good but you just don't know whether that's going to continue because this coaching staff right now are trying so many different things
1: it's clear that they're they're working on stuff they're trying stuff and and obviously that's indicated by a team that has several guys trying out at the leadoff spot I mean even just in the last couple weeks we have what five different people up there yeah so obviously they are searching for a way to get this offense locked in but I, I will say that like just because I was talking about those games on Friday and Saturday where they only get like the two run home run and then it's kind of a dead zone for the rest of it I, I I still would point out that I I don't feel it all the way that we did in that second half of last year. The, the the second this offense feels like it needs to just click into gear and really take advantage of the strong performances that some of these guys are putting together. The offense in the second half last year felt lost. It felt weak and like feeble at times. Like no way are they going to put something together. And I, and I don't feel that with this group. I just feel like it it hasn't. Clicked in completely, and I, I I know you know not to explain away some of these losses or explain away some of the concerns that we have with this team, but it really just feels like a lot during this season. They they can't get it going all at the same time, right? Like, we just have so many games where the offense is there, but then the pitching falls apart late in the game. Or the pitching is there, but then the offense doesn't get it done. And it just feels like this team needs to just, like, click into gear, like, connect those puzzle pieces, and they can go on a nice run here. And maybe that's me just being, like, too optimistic. But when I look up and down this team, it, it there there's not, like, a lot of— glaring just flaws or or outright terribleness on this team. I think there's a lot of good going on here. We continue to see really good starts from a lot of these guys. Cole Hamels pitching another rehab start today on Sunday afternoon as we record this, so he should be coming back soon. And I think, like, in general, these guys have been giving you good performances. We're seeing a lot of these guys step up in the bullpen, and obviously there's been massive disappointments in some of these individual games. But in general, like I, I do feel like there's a lot of good going on here. And if some of the roster spots can get tightened up, some of the usage for some of these guys get tightened up, it, it just feels like there is that extra gear for this group to go in, especially if they're able to... Go on and make some moves. Do you do you disagree? Like I, I've had some some very pessimistic thoughts about this group. <laughs> yeah, throughout yeah, the year. I, that's why. But, that's why I'm laughing. But when I, well, but really though, when I look up and down it, I, I just don't feel. I, I still don't feel this way. I just don't feel like these games and these series should be as much of a roller coaster as they've been. I I just feel like they're better than this. And again, that's not to say that I think this team should be winning 120 games and be outpacing the Dodgers for home field in the NL. Not really, but I I just feel like it it should not be this up and down with this group. When I look up and down the roster and the way some of these guys are performing, I I think that there should be some more consistency there. So I, I guess I don't know if that makes
2: me feel better but I, I do genuinely believe it whereas last year the offense in the second half especially in mid-August when it was starting to fall apart you were hopeless man even like one through five you were kind of hopeless like KB his shoulder was hurt Rizzo was going through a slump it, it was Javi it was a Javi right, show a hobby last year show. right and this year it is different I think th- the, the biggest frustrating thing for me is you have six guys who I just read off who are better than league average that should be enough, Corey. Where the rest of the team just takes over, but it's so top heavy, or it has been so top heavy, where the death, the lack of death, as we talked about, has hurt the team. Going forward, though, after the trade deadline, you just gotta get into the playoffs, man. And I think even in in August and September, as we're approaching it, I have more confidence that Ian Hap can step up rather than Albert Almora. You can have your own opinions with with Almora. But we have not seen Hap yet, and if these changes are for real, that's a big boost, man. That's a huge boost for this team, even if he performs at last year's levels, or even in 2017. And then you hopefully can combine that with getting someone like Nick Castellanos, right? Where all of a sudden, now you have six guys who are better than league average, and you just combined Castellanos, and you combined Hap, and you get more favorable matchups for Almora. You don't have to put him in for 450 play appearances right. during the year. And you can mix and match Caratini more appropriately rather than having him bat fifth and play in, you know, first base to spell Rizzo more often or play even in, uh, have Wilson in the outfield more often. You can now start to mix and match guys more appropriately where they were not doing that in the past few months. And if they stay the course, if they stay the process, if they don't have these different philosophical swinging uh, shifts in their approach, this should be enough. I still believe that. I still believe that this should be more than enough. And going into September, if the rotation is still strong, if Hendricks is still doing well, Lester Corey, I don't know how he's doing it, but he's the same guy as he's been in the past few years. Hamill's coming back. Darvish has looked still good, even though his last start wasn't the best, but still went pretty deep, still looked pretty good, right? So I think there's a lot to be optimistic about. And it's hard to keep that optimism for me because you know, okay, can we expect the bench to step up? I don't know this uncertainty. Is Campbell gonna be okay? Is the velocity more of a reality or more of a byproduct of being early in the year for him? Is Strope healthy? Is he injured? I don't know. Those are the uncertainties to kind of keep me at pause. But if those are really not issues, if Campbell does increase his velocity, if Strope is healthy, and if Happ and Castellanos can make contributions, if Castellanos is even traded for, the, the, the outlook of this team is going to change dramatically. And they're in first place. They have the opportunity to do that. I mean, Joe Madden, which is saying how the front office is feverishly looking for more trade targets. The Cubs are not going to just stand pat here, I think. Even if they don't go out and make a significant deal, they're at least entertaining the possibility. And if they're entertaining the possibility, they too believe in this group. And so if they believe in the group... I'm going to have some confidence about this. I'm going to be more optimistic. I will be upset, irritated, pissed off. They blew those last few games here. But you can't let that drag you on. It's August. It's September. Hap is on the team. Casas is on the injured list. Hamels is coming back. The trade deadline is coming up. I'm done thinking about the past year. This is a new squad. It's a new depth.
0: That's a camera, isn't it? There's never been a better time to switch to Geico. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit Geico.com for details. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold Coca Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20 ounce bottle of Coca Cola or Coca Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20 ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go. Grab an ice cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy.
1: Right. And I think that that's kind of important. You got to always kind of keep stock of where you are. And I I think that we, we all would prefer that seasons in a competitive window go like 2016, right? Where they are just out of the gate, one of the best teams in the league, pole to pole. There's no question about how good this team is, where the changes need to be made, and what this team is capable of doing. And sometimes that's just not how it goes. And if this team was 10 games behind the Cardinals, this would be a different discussion. And it would be a discussion about how do we proceed toward the future, etc. But when you are in first place you you still have a, you're in a period where you have all these guys under contract you you have the ability to win with them you kind of have to take that as your landscape and go with it and i think that you can look at this organization and Want to make some changes as we go towards the future? You can look at some of these prospects and and want to improve in in areas like that. And th- this is not just a 2019 thing, but I think when you're in a competitive window, you have to be able to say, "Look, we're tied for first place." As we get near the end of July and the beginning of August. This is a winnable season and you have to capitalize. You have to figure out a way to capitalize it. And that definitely doesn't mean pushing all your chips in and going crazy with trading guys and things like that. Doesn't necessarily mean that. But it, it's kind of what you were just saying there, Brendan, where you have to find a way to say, okay, yes, like those games on Friday and Saturday sucked. Like, way too often in the 2019 season, this team has found a way to to lose, which is obviously in contrast to what we saw in 2016, which was a team that had that vibe of they will find a way to win. They will find a way to protect this lead. They will find a way to come back from an early deficit. They will find a way. But here's the thing about baseball, right? And this is another thing you were just alluding to, Brendan. There's always time to change that in a season. And as as crippling of defeats as as Friday and Saturday were, just truly snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, you have the ability to turn that around. As you head to St. Louis here and then ultimately get back to Wrigley Field for another homestand, you have the ability to flip the script and, and start playing like a team that does find ways to win rather than finding those ways to lose. And I think that's why those games... Are so frustrating like you have c giving up homers to let the Brewers back in some of these games you've got Kimbrell blowing blowing a save and like those are the things where you look at and go like guys these guys are better than this like they are just picking the, the worst spots to have some of these performances and it just seems to happen on on a routine basis in in stretches for this team but there there's always time to flip that and and I think what we're getting at is that the Cubs for the most part, have the players to do it. You're, you're not asking, like, crazy things of certain players. Like, Cole Hamels has been really good for this team. All you're asking when he gets back is he continues pitching like that. He doesn't have to be as good, but just keep pitching the way that he has since he's come over. John Lester has been very good for his whole career. You're just asking him to keep doing that. Just asking you, Darvish, to live up anywhere near his potential, right? Like, you're not asking crazy things of... A bunch of players who aren't necessarily capable of it. So I I think it's right there, and and you have to find a way to remember like first place is currently in our possession. And you just have to say, we got two months left. We can make some changes to this roster and kick it into gear. And like you said, Brendan, it it doesn't really matter what this team was doing for the first couple months. It doesn't matter what they did this weekend. What matters is what they do going forward. And you just have to find a way to maximize the talent that you have, clean up some of the edges, and get ready to do... Just that. And I, I, I do understand the frustration, and I share in that frustration when they have series like this because I think a lot of these issues, you know, we're talking about position player depth, we're talking about the bullpen not performing. Where did you hear these conversations before, right? On this podcast and many others in November and December, right? So I understand the frustration when you're thinking, like, okay, but like, this is kind of what we all feared as soon as last season ended, that that these couple spots were going to be the reason the Cubs lost a handful of games. And that's what's happened. But again, you've got a few days till the trade deadline. Eventually rosters is a, expand. You, you've got to put a group together and go take care of first place because this division is, nobody else in this division seems intent on preventing you from doing that. So you just got to figure out a way to go out and do it.
2: Yeah, and we'll we'll dissect the season when it's over, but right. it's it's not over yet. We we we've talked exhaustively about the depth. So again, we know that cost this team wins. We we know it. it's but that's it's done. That that was April. That was May. That was June. That was July. Now we're in August, and the depth has been addressed a little bit, and it will be addressed in the next three days. But let's uh, preview this upcoming series. Against Brendan, Saint- can I ask one question yeah.
1: before we move on? And I'll re-ask this after we finish with the Cardinals during the week. But I did just want to check back in on my question from earlier of the year where do you dislike this current group of Milwaukee Brewers or the St. Louis Cardinals uh, more because I, I gotta be honest with you, I, I really don't like this this group of Milwaukee Brewers. I really don't like them. And I think that every time. And I know, like, especially as the Cardinals are streaking here, it's very easy to hate Saint Louis. And I and I obviously do. But man
2: It's St. Louis, Corey. It's Saint right. Louis. I know I know. I'm you just checking. It. I'm know, just checking. I know you hate Milwaukee. I hate them too. But ask yourself the same question in the next seventy two. I will. Yeah, hours. no, that's why I want to. You're gonna, cha- you're, you're gonna to change bring it your up. answer. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I will ask you that. The next I time wanted I to
1: see if our, our opinions might change, etc. But yeah, I, they, there's just something about this Brewers team that I just absolutely cannot stand, okay. and I would be remiss. It, it it sort of goes to this, but that GIF of Lester getting Ryan Braun to fall over swinging through that pitch on it was our t- Saturday, so beautiful. I mean, was that not is that not yeah. the most beautiful? Sight that we can see. There's just something so perfect uh, about that. John Lester throwing a pitch that he that Ryan Braun whiffs through and falls down. That's just so beautiful. That's when baseballs at it, its purest form. Brendan,
2: it is, it is. But here's the thing, though, Corey. Jose Martinez, Colton Wong, Yadier Molina. You'll see those guys mm. in the next day. Okay, your your opinion will change. Trust me. But let's let's preview this upcoming series. So we have. An off day on Monday when you're listening to this and the Cubs will travel to St. Louis. You can get tickets to this series through SeatGeek. The Cubs season is well underway and there's no better place to get tickets than on SeatGeek. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great okay. value. Speaking of being there in person, SeatGeek asked millions of baseball fans from all 30 teams all across the country, which stadiums have the best experience? From the food to the traffic, they ranked it all. Want to know where the Cubs rank? Check them out at www.seatgeek.com backwards slash stadium guides and find out what fans said about the Cubs. That's www.seatgeek.com backwards slash stadium Dash guides. But whether the Cubs ranked high or low, make sure you get out to a game this season through SeatGeek. And to help you get even more savings on tickets, you guys get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CUBS related today. That's promo code CUBS related for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. On Tuesday, Hugh Darvish takes the mound for the Cubs. Start time, 7.15 p.m. Central, and Darvish on the year is 3-4 with a 4.54 ERA. He'll be facing Adam Wainwright, who is 7-7 with a 4.63 ERA. On Wednesday, same start time as 7.15 p.m., Kyle Hendricks takes the mound this time for the Cubs, who is and 7-8 with a 3.26 ERA. His opponent will be Miles Mikolas, a 7-10 with a 4.19 ERA. And then to finish off the three-game set on Thursday, a little bit earlier of a start time at 6.15 p.m. Central, John Lester back on the mound for the Cubs, 9-6 with a 3.63 ERA. He'll be facing Jack Flaherty for the Cardinals, who's 4-6 with a 4.17 ERA. Since the All-Star break, Flaherty has been really, really good. Um, So we're catching him at a a, a suboptimal time here, but we'll see what happens with the rest with Michaelis and Wainwright, whom the Cubs have had success recently in the past few months. So this series, simple as this, right? You have two first place teams. It'll be a playoff atmosphere. The Cubs are throwing out three of their best pitchers. It's just time to do business, man. It's simple as that. I think the Cubs, if I had to guess, will be shuttling out the same types of lineups with Hap getting consistent playing time. And that's kind of what I want. I just want some consistency, some consistent approaches. The Cubs take advantage of their opportunities. The bullpen, of course, settle down. And if they play their best brand of baseball, they're very difficult to beat. And they're the best team in the division when they are playing at their best, Corey. Yeah, I'm with you.
1: It's it's all about just taking care of business at this point. It's 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 one of those things where going in and playing a Milwaukee team on the road, going in and playing a St. Louis team on the road, those are tough series. Like These teams are playing well and well relatively right like that relative (laughs) to the NL Central these teams are all playing well right
2: I mean the Cardinals have been on one recently yeah they they are playing well,
1: but we're all over 500 here you know in the playoff race so we'll we'll call that playing well but these are these are tough series these aren't easy series and I think you know expecting the Cubs to go into Milwaukee here this weekend and take two of three or bust or sweep or bust you know, not necessarily the most productive attitude, but it's obviously frustrating the way that they kind of throw both of those games away. I think that even if you don't throw one of them away on Friday and Saturday, you come away with a series win and you've done a really nice job there on the road. So it's it's rather frustrating the way that that plays out. And I think that there there's no better time than a, a road series in St. Louis to kind of as a team, like, it's not always this easy, but put your foot down and just say, we we got to stop doing this. We, we've been playing better than I think our record shows, and we need to, as a group, be better than this. We, we've got to get better at bats. We've got to be able to hold leads. And we've got to make some of these good starts from some of our pitchers hold up better than than we have. So I think you've got to turn that on. And yeah, I think it's, it's pretty simple. We're, we're waiting to see exactly what Theo and Jed do here at the deadline so that we can kind of properly prepare ourselves for this stretch run. I think if you want a a visual representation of what this series felt like there, I shared a gif on the the Cubs Insider Twitter feed at Real Cubs Insider of the Milwaukee cameras that caught Theo and Jed after Yelich tied the game on Saturday. That was
2: also pure art.
1: (laughs) It's quite the visual. Uh, They they were not pleased. And they're they're almost like twins in in a way. Jed usually has mannerisms that, that mimic Theo's in those situations. So it's always kind of funny. But you know, you kind of get the idea of how everybody feels when they lose games like that. Like nobody's happy about it. And I think everybody thinks they should be better than that happening so frequently. So it's it it's gonna be an interesting few days here. I will say that we are liable to talk to you more than just after this Cardinals series. If something big goes down, we'll get on and do it. I, I would say if the Cubs do some stuff at the deadline, we'll 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 get on and talk with you guys. Uh, depending on what it is. But I, I would imagine that even if it's a smaller move, it's probably at least somewhat significant. So perhaps we'll get on and, and do just another one of those 20, 30-minute episodes and, and do a quick reaction and breakdown of it. But otherwise, we will obviously talk to you guys after this St. Louis series. So it's it's an interesting spot. Trust me, I think we're all in the same boat here. It's it, It's been an up-and-down season, but when you are tied for first place, heading into the trade deadline, heading into August— that there is a winnable season on the table and you have to figure out a way to go out and take it. So I... I think, like all of you guys, am more than happy to get on the ship, captained by John Lester, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, and one Tony Rizzo, and the boys, and uh, ride ride this to wherever it takes us. I think you know. I think you know Brendan and I that we will uh, either ride this thing to glory and and a parade in early November, or we will be like the violin player on the Titanic. We'll go down with it. So. Jeez, Either way man. we will we will be well, that's the end of the spectrum, Brendan. Yeah, Those I are the know. two ends, I know. like right? I know. So yeah. that is I think all we have for you. Like I said, we'll we'll keep an eye on things as it relates to the trade deadline and we will be there with you if there is stuff to break down and otherwise if not a lot of excitement happens we will talk to you guys after the Cubs finish up hopefully a series win to secure sole possession of first place here in St. Louis. As always we thank you guys for listening and tuning in and we will talk to you soon. Go Cubs!
2: Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and
0: now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. Hello. This is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with GEICO? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing, could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.